Welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine, advancing medicine through precision diagnostics and novel therapy. Even though surgery is one of the most common treatment options for patients diagnosed with cancer, it's not exactly synonymous with the word cure, since many patients still experience recurrence following surgery, as undetected cells may still remain in the body. So what research developments are being evaluated to improve the detection of cancer and treatment for these patients? This is Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill, and here to discuss research being done using an illuminating new technology is Dr. Sunil Singhal, Director of the Thoracic Surgery Research Lab and Associate Professor in Research at Penn Medicine. His current surgical research program focuses upon evaluating tumor glow, an investigational intraoperative imaging technique. Not yet FDA approved, tumor glow employs fluorescent dyes that collect in cancer cells with the goal being to illuminate tumors and their margins. Dr. Singal, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, we're excited that you're here. And, you know, just so to start us off, I'd, I'd like to do some level setting as to the current landscape of cancer care, specifically in terms of thoracic oncology. What can you tell us about this? So thoracic oncology has really been evolving quite rapidly over the last decade or so. There's been several changes. So we're having more adenocarcinomas and squamous cell carcinoma. There's also been a lot of changes in the epidemiology although cigarette smoking is on a decline, um, it appears that um, the fifth largest population of cancer uh, patients in this country now are non-smokers, people who have never touched a cigarette, and quite frankly haven't even been exposed to secondhand smoke. Within the field of thoracic oncology, there's been quite a few advances. I think we all have heard of aminotherapies and CD1 inhibitors, which have change the field. But what I've been most interested um, is really what is going on in the world of surgical care for lung cancer patients. Excellent. You know, now that we have that background, could you explain the development of tumor glow and how it works in practice? Yes. So there's roughly 100,000 people each year in the United States who go for uh, lung cancer surgery. 40% of those patients still go on to develop a recurrence. A third of those patients were recurring within two centimeters of where the surgeon was working. And that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I've done thousands of operations. So I I felt that we must be missing things. We must be missing cancer cells. And this is sort of the beginning of of where my research uh, got started. And as I started to do my research, I found that the issue was we just couldn't see microscopic disease because when we're in the operating room, the only things we have is our hands and our eyes. So it was at that thought that I was thinking there's got to be a better way to highlight these tumors, some way for these cancer cells to glow so that it would become highlighted. And uh, that's essentially the basis of the idea of tumor glow. Um, we were working on all sorts of dyes. The fluorescent dyes. The, the, the dye that struck my interest was something called endocyanin green. Where at the beginning of uh, the 2000 and the 2005 era, this concept of nanotechnology was really emerging in medicine. The ability to take very, very small particles, um, very small dyes that are completely safe to humans because they pass right through the, the, the body. They, they can be excreted out. They really cause no toxicity, and endocyanin green was one of those. 
Uh, and the beautiful thing about Indosan in green was it actually glows quite bright. And so Tumor Glow essentially became a decade-long project on how to inject endosining green into people to make tumors glow. Uh, and then the science behind, behind that becomes a little bit more um, intricate. Uh, but that's essentially what tumor glow is. That's very, very interesting. You know, you've talked a little bit about how this technology is used, but from your observations, can you talk a little bit about where it's proved most useful of the technology? And then also, you know, in your journeys with this, um, has there been anything unexpected that you've discovered from your research? You know, I, don't, I don't think we uh, ever stop finding unexpected uh, things. I think it still shocks me, how often we think we did a perfect case, and then we turn on the camera uh, that sees a glowing die, and uh, we miss something. So I would say that's always the biggest surprise to me. In terms of in terms of what I think we've made the most, he- we're making headway in a lot of fields. I think uh, one of the biggest areas is brain tumors. Um, we're finding that our ability to see the borders of brain tumors is, um, is spectacular. I think within the chest, one of our biggest accomplishments is uh, sarcomas that metastasize to the lung and colon cancer that goes through the lungs. We have been able to find nodules less than one millimeter, things that we never would have seen before. It's well below the detection of a CAT scan, which is sort of the traditional approach or a PET scan. So the ability to locate metastatic disease is very good. Another cancerous thymomas, so the ability to see the borders of these tumors that start in the chest and to see the phrenic nerve, which we want to preserve. Also mesothelioma, uh, which is a cancer of asbestos. So the indications in the chest have become quite broad. I think the other area that we are starting to see um, some headway is in this concept of, uh, of liver cancers where there uh, well, tumors that go to the liver, such as colon cancer, is another really big area. Um, cancers in the pancreas, uh, especially in the distal pancreas, we can begin to see the borders of these cancers quite well. So um, I think the indications are quite broad. I, we're the tip of the iceberg. Uh, it's only in the last two years that we've started to do larger clinical studies. So it's, um, I think the future is exciting, and we'll find out. Absolutely, definitely. For those of you who are just tuning in, this is Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Sunil Singhal from Penn Medicine on the new innovation, Tumor Glow, and how it's advancing care for thoracic oncology. So continuing, Dr. Single, how is tumor glow benefiting surgeons and patients? And are there any challenges that you've encountered in clinical practice? I would say, for example, um, for lung cancer, we're finding um, three things that have been particularly useful with tumor glow. The first is when we go in to the chest to operate on a patient uh, with a cancer um, how often the patient may have a second cancer. Now, it's been known in the literature, but it's been very hard to prove, that when you operate on a patient with lung cancer, 
that a, a, a percentage of them, a small percentage, 8 to 10 percent, will go on to get another cancer within three to five years. Uh, but there was no way to detect these before. Uh, and so the patient, three or five years later, would get a second operation for another cancer. What we're finding is that since our tumor glow is so sensitive, we can begin to find these second cancers at the time of the initial operation. So that's been one uh, big benefit. The second a big advantage of tumor glow is we can see the margin or the edges of the cancer as we're operating. And this allows us to have wider margins for uh, essentially a, an opportunity to make sure that we're avoiding cutting through the cancer. Um, the third benefit that we've discovered over the last uh, four or five years is for these small lesions. It's very hard to find them, even if you have a good CAT scan and a PET scan. The one advantage of tumor glow is since it, it makes the tumor fluoresce, a glow, uh, we can really um, pinpoint the location of the cancer and be much more precise in how much of the lung we cut out. Um, and, and this has been um, also, a, you know, a, although it, it's not necessarily improving long-term survival, it does improve the morbidity um, or the trauma the patient goes through. So I would say those are the three um, biggest categories of help that tumor glow is doing during our surgeries. Excellent. Excellent. You know, and, and talking about the, the patient side, um, you know, how might a physician refer a patient uh, whom they feel might be a candidate to, um, to have this process done? You know, what's the availability of tumor glow? Is it widely available? Uh, no. So right now uh, we're conducting a clinical trial uh, at uh, University of Pennsylvania. Um, we have uh, our initial studies are complete. Um, so we've done all the safety and toxicity. Um, we're now moving into um, we're up to about a thousand patients. We are now starting a, um, a cooperative group trial, um, which is a multi-institutional trial to the alliance, uh, which is a uh, large umbrella organization in this country. Um, so that would be 10 sites. That hasn't started yet. Right now it's, it's still available um, really at 10 um, through, a clinical tri- through clinical trials. Uh, though we hope, in the, um, I'm, I'm hoping in the next six months we are going to get our cooperative group trial uh, going. That will be 10 sites around the country. Um, uh, and then we'll go from there. Excellent. And lastly, Dr. Single, how do you think tumor glow will ultimately change the future of surgery for cancer? Well, it, it's going it, to, I can't imagine how it's not going to change the field. Um, you're going to have the ability to have tumors glowing. You're going to now find cancers easier. You can do more directed operations. Um, you can be a bit more selective in the lymph nodes you can take, you have to take out and not take out. Uh, you're going to solve all sorts of problems, whether you're in breast cancer and you don't want to get lymphedema and do larger um, axillary node dissections. If you are in um, lung cancer and you need to find smaller, small lesions, uh, or you want to do, uh, um, especially for patients who don't have very good lung function, so you can do smaller procedures. If you're in brain cancer and you need to be very careful about taking excessive areas of the brain because of 
of, uh, of uh, affecting patients' normal function, um, whether you're doing ovarian cancer, and we're finding that we can do debulking operations better, especially for women who have peritoneal metastases. So I think that the field is, um, is, is going to be dramatically changed. I think what is going to happen, um, if, you, if I had to sort of uh, think about this, you know, where are we going to be in a decade, I do think that the first generation of dyes, these tumor glow dyes that we're developing uh, at Penn, are going to get better. I think that if we were to fast forward, the dyes are going to be brighter. We're going to be able to see deeper into organs with the um, fluorescence. I think that we are going to um, also um, have dyes which will have the ability to see more uh, types of cancers. Uh, because one of the issues, as, you, as we all know, is uh, different types of cancers are very different. They're heterogeneous. And so we're going to have dyes which will be um, able to tackle heterogeneity of, of cancers. So I think we're at the tip of the iceberg. It's an exciting time. Uh, and the field is going to be dramatically evolving over the next decade. Excellent. And I do agree with you. I do think this is a a very exciting time. You know, with these hopes on the horizon, I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Sunil Single, for sharing his insights on tumor glow and how this technology is impacting the field of oncological surgery. It was a pleasure speaking with you, Dr. Single. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. And I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle with ReachMD, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine. To download this podcast or access others in this series, please visit reachmd.com slash pen and visit Penn Physician Link, an exclusive program that helps referring physicians connect with Penn. Here you can find education resources, information about our expedited referral process, and communication tools. To learn more, visit www.pennmedicine.org slash physician link. Thank you for listening.